Back in 1978, the firemen in London went on strike, so they had to pull in some British Army soldiers to run the fire trucks, and uh, they were excited about it, and they had one of their first calls. They were going down to an elderly woman who had left a cat, or the cat got stuck up in the tree. So they got down there as soon as they can, put the ladder up, save the cat, and the woman was just so overjoyed. She was so thankful. In fact, she invited them in for tea. And then they were waving goodbye, and the truck started to move forward and killed the cat. <laughs> killed the cat that they had come to save. Now, isn't that just like life sometimes? We're cruising along, things are going well, and we make one mistake, and things just fall apart. And after that happens to us over and over again, what we tend to do is we tend to step back from risk. Because when you take a risk, there's always failure as a possibility. And the fear of failure, I believe, is one of the most important reasons people do not engage in their relationship with God, because they don't want to take that risk. We're going to talk about that uh, today. We're continuing in our study here of fearless, talking about the fear of failure. And we're going to look at Peter, a uh, disciple of our Lord. And Peter, uh, he's, a, he's a great character, isn't he? How many favorite person is Peter in the Bible? Anybody out there? Uh, I tell you. We love him so much because he's so much like us, right? <laughs> so Peter uh, was a natural leader of the disciples. He had foot and mouth disease, just couldn't say the right thing uh, sometimes, but he was always in the middle of the action. And at one point, Jesus Christ asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Who am I? And Peter stood up and he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And that was right on. Jesus Christ was divine. And then Christ went on to say this. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the name of Peter in Greek is, is Petros. So, it means rock. So that makes sense, right? But you can imagine the other disciples kind of ribbing each other. Oh, you've got to be kidding, Peter. <laughs> you can't count on him. He's unpredictable. He's impetuous. No, no, he shouldn't be the leader. <laughs> because they knew Peter. They had experienced uh, Peter. But you see, God was laying out a, a plan for Peter. And he said, someday you're going to do great things. Someday you're going to lead the church. And he saw the potential there. Remember, uh, of course, Billy Graham is meant to be with the Lord this past year. Uh, almost made it to 100. Just a couple months away. But he's in a much better place. Do you know that he preached the gospel to over 215 million people? in his lifetime, in 185 countries. That is more than anyone, of course, has done. 
Now, when we start thinking about our value to God, we tend to think in the way that the world teaches us to think. Well, I'm not that important to God. I mean, Billy Graham, man, he's right there. (laughs) He's right up there. And I don't think I'm even on the importance list. (laughs) You have to really go far down, maybe in the footnotes or something of that nature to, to, you know, how valuable am I to God? I mean, if he's doing that, there's no way I can measure up to that. And that is exactly the problem. We see other Christians, uh, other people in our lives who just have different spiritual gifts and, and seem to have it together and they're walking with Christ and we look at them and say, I could never be like them. Well, thank God you can't be like them because God called you to be like you. That's right. He made a plan for your life. God has a plan for Dan. I'm sorry if it doesn't rhyme, plan, but he has a plan for me. And that's something I've learned over the years. You you compare that type of thing, and that just brings you down. But just just realize, okay, God has a plan for Dan. It might not be the plan that Dan wants, but he has a plan for Dan, and I'm going to glorify him most by following that plan. And if I follow that plan, you know, when I get to heaven and God reviews my life, Dan, you're the best Dan you could be. (laughs) He's not going to compare me to Billy Graham or other great uh, teachers and uh, people in Christianity. He's talking about me and the plan that he made for me. And he has a plan for you as well. And the only thing we have to worry about or be concerned about in this life is finding out what plan God has given us and then to walk that path. You're saying, well, Dan, that's nice to think about, but I've already blown it. I took myself out when I did this or this happened to me or... I sinned in this way. I, I'm a C player. Or maybe I'm on the bench stand. You don't understand. I am damaged goods. God cannot use me. You're not damaged goods. God made you. And yeah, God knew that you were going to fail. Right? Let's just get that up. Everybody fails. Say it with me. Everybody fails. One more time. Everybody fails. Now turn to your neighbor and give them an illustration. But we all could, right? We all fail. And we just have to accept that. But the beautiful thing that while you fail, you can use that as a learning opportunity to move forward in God's plan for you. Well, uh, they were out in a boat, and Jesus Christ uh, was on the water. It was middle of the night, uh, wind blowing back and forth. A- and he said, come. Oh, excuse me. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he sees Jesus Christ on the water, and all the disciples are there. Now, why in the world would he want to go out and meet Jesus? I mean, just let him come to the boat for Pete's sake. What's the deal with Peter, right? Why does he have to do this? Well, Peter was a very passionate person. He was passionate for Jesus, and he wanted to be with Jesus. And, and so have you ever been in a boat and thought about stepping out into the water and actually being able to walk 
on the water. At Trinity Seminary, they had a pond that says, no walking on the water. <laughs> uh, so, but he did it. That's how much faith Peter had, that he knew it was Jesus, and if he said he could walk, he could walk. So he takes those steps, and he's looking right at Jesus Christ, focusing on him, and all of a sudden, the wind and the rain are coming against him, the waves, and he starts to look around at his circumstances, and he says, what am I doing? When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, what happened? Well, Peter took his eyes off Jesus, right? And he started to focus on the situation that, was he, that he was in. And we suffer from that. You know, we're always looking at the circumstances, the situation, the problems, instead of looking to God and saying, God, what can you do for me? Will you please help me? And that's what we love about Peter, because we've all done that. We said, okay, I'm going to... Uh, get involved in this ministry, or I'm going to take on this new endeavor for God. And so, yeah, first step is good. Second step is good. Third step is good. But then we, we lose it. And we go, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah, and that's failure. But again, God wants to teach you something uh, through failure. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, where have we heard that before? Huh? If you were here last week, we're talking about the disciples and the huge storm. Jesus was sleeping, and he got up and calmed the storm and the waves at the same time, and he said the same thing. Why you of little faith? Faith is what we need in order to serve God. It's impossible to serve them without faith. That's what we want to grow. And that idea is faith is, is taking a, a risk, taking a step forward based on what God's Word says, but sometimes we don't have enough faith. And this is what happened with Peter. But guys, what you need to realize is that failure is not a dead and okay ever hear me failure is not a dead end and you know what our culture tells us it is a dead end that's right that's why we're so freaked out about doing different things and feeling the pressure because we feel if we fail in this class if we fail at this job if we fail as a parent you know we're benched. It's over. Well, God will get his work done in a different way. And that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you grow through your mistakes. You grow through your, your sins as you face them in the right way. And this is really an epidemic problem in families in this area because it's all about success, right? It's all about getting on the right team or it's really all about getting the right grades, and parents, we need to be careful because we can fall into that success mode and push our children and create unneeded anxiety that you've got to get these classes done and get an A. You can go to this particular college. I mean, if, if you're really...
pushing that. You've got to drop back. You're causing anxiety in your kids' lives. Accept them as they are. Sure, you want to encourage them, but really our culture is very sick in that way in terms of raising uh, children. Nothing wrong with them, you know, having different activities and doing well at school, but the pressure that these kids feel, anxiety and depression are off the charts with teenagers. Imagine that. Off the charts. And why is that? Because the culture says, if you fail, you're done. And their parents are saying, if you fail, you're done. Well, I'd say that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure for kids to be under. And we need to let up and trust God. How about that, parents, huh? Trust God that he's going to get it done to your kids. God's going to help them. That You don't have to micromanage their lives in order that they would become uh, who you think they uh, should be. So we need to grow in our faith. James 3, 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Chapter 3 of James uh, talks about the tongue and how much (laughs) pain and destruction it can bring about. I want you to think about it in regards to how we sin. Many times it is through the tongue by what we say about other people or we lie or whatever. So he's saying if you can control the tongue, you've got it made because that's the hardest thing to control. We all stumble in many ways. So what happens when you stumble? You get up and keep going, and you just land. It's like, okay, you're leaving the service today, and you're walking out, and you trip over a curb, and you go right down to the ground. And, wow. And and you're thinking, wow, I am so tired of stumbling. It's been a problem all my life. And I just give up. I'm just going to lay here on the parking lot. And I am going to just, hey, in no matter is important to me. I just have to accept the self, accept myself that I'm a failure. And so obviously people come up, they wonder what's wrong, and you just say, hey, I stumbled again, and that's it. I'm not getting up. And they try to talk to you, and no, no, really, really, just leave me alone in my suffering. Is that how it works? No, that's not how it works, you know. Did anybody see me? Are there video cameras anywhere where they could see me stumble? And even if you fell and you broke your leg, hey, are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. No problem whatsoever. That's how much we fear failure. We don't want to see anybody see us stumble. That's a real problem, friends. Because we're just a bunch of stumblers. All of us. You come in here and think you don't measure up. There's nothing to measure up to. Right? We're all broken people. Life is challenging, but Jesus Christ loves us just the way we are. The core of Jesus Christ's love 
is not what we do. It's who He is. That's where the love comes from. As you know, we're going off making all different mistakes and sinning. But God continues to love us. And when He sees that we fail, He is especially there for us. Because that's, that's when He wants to teach us new things. And I know we all have these scenarios of what might happen with our kids or happen in our job and those kind of things. And obviously you have to be healthy and think through those things. But you're so afraid. You're so afraid you're paralyzed. And God doesn't want you to be paralyzed. He wants you to keep moving forward. He wants you to move through the failure and say, God, teach me because I'm confused about this one and it doesn't feel very good. But what happens is he's going to take you to a new level. I talked to a lot of you who've lost your jobs and you got better jobs. (laughs) Really? Isn't that interesting? We lose our job. Oh, no, I've lost my job. What am I going to do? Nobody's going to hire me. And then all of a sudden, God brings along maybe another career, whatever. But he works. And you say, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, You don't see life coming. You can't read the future, but God can, and God's on your side, and you need to embrace that. Right? You embrace Jesus for the future. It's like, stop worrying about the future. You can worry about today or be concerned about today because that's the only problem you're going to have. Proverbs 24, 16, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. We need to be a church where it's okay to stumble. You know how Christ followers can sometimes be. They attack their own when they're suffering. But we need to be a place where you can come and and know that, wow, I really made a big mistake. And you step into loving arms. Okay, we'll speak truth to you as needed. But it's all really about love and grace to carry you and my concern for you all as, as my family that there's some of you that feel uh, that you're, you're, you're benched. It's over, right? Can't do any more good. Can't be used by God. That is a lie from Satan. Because God says, when you fail, then you can flourish, right? If you fail and respond properly to it, you can flourish as God has never flourished you uh, before. There was a young man who was you know, junior high school. And, uh, <laughs> it was one of these very prestigious English boarding schools. And this was a note <laughs> that went to his father, who was very famous. Uh, this young man shows a conspicuous lack of success. This kid had a lot of problems. I mean, he was depressed as he was growing up. He cried all the time. Had bullies calling him, you know, funny body, big head. And he had it really tough. And he kept on plowing through life, even though it was challenging. And it wasn't until he was around 65 that things finally came together. What's his name? 
Winston Churchill. He was 70, or yeah, 65, 70, around that range, when he stepped into the prime minister's role. And wow, look how God used him, right, to protect us uh, from the Nazis, giving England a victory. You see, the problem is, is that we all kind of have our filters, and, and like Winston Churchill, I mean, he could easily look back at his life and say, I'm a failure, I haven't done what I have done. And we do that to ourselves. We, we, we put ourselves in a little hole and say, well, I've done this, I've done that, I've flunked that, I'm just going to stay right here. This is the only place that's safe. safe play, place that's safe. Well, friends, <laughs> yeah, that's what Satan would like you to do. But you don't have to think that. And if you're older, you don't have to think, well, my life is over. No, 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 you never retire from Christianity, I'll tell you that. For being a Christ follower, I mean, when you're retired, you even have more time in order to give to the Lord and help and reach the people around you. Uh, again, it's interesting. The weaker we get as we grow older, sometimes there's only one thing we can do, and that is prayer. John, Sonia down here working with our prayer team. And talk with them many times, just learn so much from them. And they are praying regularly for us, and myself, and many others are doing the same thing. And isn't that interesting that we have to get to the point where we can't do much else but pray? Well, let's start praying now. Let's see some of God's power now. <laughs> Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Jesus just shared that he was going to be crucified. And he said to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Interesting things about supernatural warfare there, spiritual warfare. They asked that the devil had to ask God to do that. But I have prayed for you. Do you know Jesus Christ is praying for you right now? He's interceding for you. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So he was saying, Peter, it's not going to work. I mean, Satan's out to get you. He's out to bring you totally down. But I prayed for you. And when you get through this crisis of life, you need to tell other people about it. And of course, well, he, he put it in Scripture, right? So many people can relate to Peter saying, yeah, I really failed. But look at how Jesus Christ treats Peter. Of course, Peter, you know, strong-minded. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. How do you think Peter felt about that? Oh, yeah? You think that? Well, I'll show you. Then they seized him, that's Christ, in the garden and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. Now, i got to give credit to Peter. He is the only disciple that stuck with Jesus, right? The others just ran away out of fear. But Peter says, no, I'm not going to deny him. I'm going to stay with him. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. 
You know, he's in enemy camp here. The trials were going on. Then a servant girl had seen him. He sat in the light and looking closely at him said, this man also was with him. The one thing that Peter feared the most, that somebody would finger him, identify him. So this is his opportunity, right? To say, I'm with Jesus Christ. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. You're one of his disciples. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Jesus was passing from one court to another court. And he saw Peter. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he has said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Jesus was right. He was weak. He was fearful that they would try and kill him as well. And he went out and wept bitterly. The anguish the pain that Peter went through. I've done the one thing that I thought I could do. Jesus said I couldn't do it, and I couldn't do it. There's no future for me. I can't be of further help than Jesus Christ. I mean, have you done something as bad as that? Have you denied Jesus Christ to his face? I don't think so, because he hasn't been around in a sense (laughs) to his face, right? I don't care what you've done. I don't care what mistake you've made. Maybe you had an abortion. And that guilt is just hanging on you every day. And you feel shameful. And friends, that's not the way it should be. That's why we're a a group, a family that comes around people who are hurting and say, God forgives you if you repent. God forgives you. This is not a dead end. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. Amen? Amen. Some of you need to hear that this morning because you've been on the bench. God wants you on the field using your gifts, again, the plan that he's designed for you. Well, we now go to after the resurrection. The disciples are fishing. They're not catching anything. And this man stands on the shore and he says, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And they do that. And whoa, (laughs) where did all these fish go? (laughs) And the boat's starting to sink. Okay. Uh, I think it's Jesus. (laughs) I think it's Jesus too. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Here he's doing it again, throwing himself in the sea. 
Why is that? Oh, because Peter was a, a person of great passion and great love. And, you know, there, there was something that told him that Jesus, Jesus is going to accept me back. You wouldn't throw yourself into the sea toward a person that you'd really hurt and oh, they're not going to ever accept me again. No, he had an open heart. And he put his clothing back on and jumped in. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I'll sit around the campfire. Jesus Christ made breakfast. I thought that was a really good breakfast, huh? Uh, but, yeah. So Peter's sitting around the campfire. He, I imagine he's very nervous. He doesn't know what God or Jesus Christ is going to say. And is he going to nail him? And right away, out of the boat, out of the chute, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Oh, thank you. Oh. <laughs> you really have to ask me that question. <laughs> I mean, my, my track record hasn't been too good. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Peter loved Jesus so deeply. He said to him, Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. What's that about? Well, he was restoring Peter to his position, that he was going to be the leader of the new church he was about to establish, and he wanted him to be a shepherd and take care of these people. He said to him a second time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And you just imagine Peter, he's just, all the strength is leaving his body because he's, oh man, Christ is really, really mad at me. I said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, three times. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I can just imagine the angst that Peter's going through. I mean, what is Jesus Christ doing to me? Yes, I've sinned. I've sinned. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? At that point, he was grieved because his mind was consumed by the failure. The failure he was before Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said that I would deny him, and I did that, and I just shouldn't be here anymore. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What was Jesus Christ doing? He was restoring him to leadership. Maybe he asked three times, because Peter denied three times. But he was restoring him to leadership, and, and once that sunk in with Peter, can you imagine the freedom and, and the joy that he had? Because Jesus Christ was full of grace and mercy. Not only was he keeping him on the team, he was making him the team leader again. I mean, really, you want this guy as a team leader? I mean, look what he did. That's what the world says, right? That's what we say to ourselves. Well, I can't do that. I, I failed in this area. and I'm out. You're never out. You're never out. And remember, Jesus loves you. If you've been drifting from Christ, now is the time to come back. Because he wants, you, he wants to take you in his arms. 
And he wants to love on you. Some of you have been so hard on yourselves for so long. And that negative pattern is so deep in your mind that you're not any longer qualified. It's not true. And that's why we have the body of Christ because sometimes you can't get out of that thought process yourself. You have to have somebody else come up and say, hey, Jesus forgives. You've got to let it go. And, and we struggle with that because we thought it for so long. And, and God wants to free us if we'll just allow him. If we'll, we'll take this passage or these passages this afternoon and you sit down and you read through them. And whatever your big, big failure is, you put it right in the text with the denial of Peter and see how God restores you. See how he shares his love with you and his grace overflows. Don't live in the dungeon anymore. Don't live in dread of God. Don't seek freedom. Come talk with me or one of our elders or friend. Just get it out. Tell somebody so you can start that journey to freedom. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So many times we're kind of trying to hide, you know, our failure from other people. And we think we can ever, we think we can hide it from God. Like Jonah, right? I'll just get in this fish here. (laughs) No, no, God knows everything and he loves you still the same. You've got to confess it. You've got to deal with it. You've got to feel God's mercy flow through your life. And this is such a different message than we learn from the media and from friends and other things that we value in. And that's why it's so important. It's not going to happen overnight. And you have to go back to God again and again and again. Because that thought will come back to you and you say, no. No, I am not a failure. I failed. But God is going to make me stronger. Blows that wound cleanse away evil. Strokes makes clean the innermost parts. Again, when you fail, think about whatever failure you're thinking about. That's an opportunity for you to really grow. But the problem is we get locked into this ideal life. Oh, I've got to have this ideal life, and that means this and this. And all of a sudden, whoo, we fail. Oh, where'd my ideal life go? Well, God's got a new life for you. Different than you thought before, but you don't want to trust him. And I know what you mean, but you've got to trust him. You've got to ask for faith, unbelievable faith, to take that step of risk. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You know, you're just a pile of dust. I'm just a pile of dust. You know? When all is said and done, when God takes that life from me, my body turns to dust. That's that's a real good humbling (laughs) thing to do, right? We're just dust. We think we're so, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm so great. You're just a pile of dust that God has chosen to work through. 
It's not about you at all. God is working through you. Well, I did this. I did. God allowed you and enabled you to do that. So let's stop take our, taking ourselves so seriously. Well, I've got to do this. Just remember, God knows that you're a pile of dust. And that impacts how he treats you. He knows you're a pile of dust. He knows you're weak. He knows you fail. And what does he want to do? He is saying, I want to help you. I want to empower you. I want to take you on a new journey. But you got to believe me. you got to step out in faith. you got to talk to somebody. Many times that's the only way you can get out of, you know, a negative thought pattern that's sinful, is to talk to somebody else. So if you haven't been able to do it yourself, you find somebody you can talk to and say, hey, I am just filled with so much guilt over this. And they will help you. So where are you at today? What kind of failure is spinning through your mind right now? And say, oh, that's all good Bible teaching, but that doesn't apply to me because I'm special. I mean, I'm a really special mess. I'm really, you know, just out of this world. See, Pastor Dan doesn't know that, so I can't... Stop it! Stop it! Satan is using that to bring you down to keep you from the joy of walking with God. And it's time to, to say, Lord, show me your mercy. Show me your grace. Lord, I did wrong. And I just claim your forgiveness you gave me at the cross. And Lord, just paint a brand new day for me. Help me to see life in a different way. I don't know how to do it, but you help me. I pray that my church family will help me. And he will. There is no reason to live with guilt when Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Oh, other people think, well, who cares about other people? I know you care, and I care, but it's time we stop caring because God has a plan for our life. And sometimes it gets kind of messy along the way, but he believes in us more than anyone, more than anyone. God's opinion is the only opinion that matters, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, I just pray that this uh, study of your word will bless me like it's blessed me. Uh, bless them like it's blessed me. Oh, it's so easy to fall into that category where I'm not good enough or not. Lord, you love me. You want to use me. I don't know exactly how sometimes. And I pray that today would be a turning point for my friends here. If they've been dealing with guilt from the past, I pray they would take action. I pray that they would read these scriptures. I pray that they would talk to a friend. And so many times you communicate your passion and your love through a Christian friend. You're so good to us, Lord. Help us to walk in your freedom. In Christ's name, amen.